0: What's going on, everybody? Jonathan F. Henry, he was Adam Rodas for another edition of the Anti-Up Podcast here on the Sawdust Podcast Network. Uh, Adam, wrapping up week one here, recording after the Monday night football games, uh, we had the Steelers beat the Giants. We had the Titans go into Denver uh, and beat the Broncos. Uh, what are your uh, reactions here to uh, the Monday night experience? I yeah. yeah, will
1: start off with the Titans and Broncos uh, very... Sloppy game at times, questionable coaching. And of course, uh, Steven Goskowski, probably the story of this game, just was terrible. Uh, missing three field goals, an extra point, And then, of course, hits the game winning field goal. I think it was from like 25 yards out. So yeah. I, that's the thing. Like you're sitting there, you're like, he's probably going to hit it. But you're like, wait a second. He couldn't even hit an extra point tonight. He did have one. Uh, But he hits the winning field goal uh, as Tennessee had marched down the field. So, uh, you know, Derrick Henry had one of his worst games last year against Denver. They did a good job stopping him. And even tonight, uh, he did not have a huge game. 31 carries, did get 116 yards, also caught three passes for 15 yards. So something we didn't see much last year. Uh, So I think if you have Derrick Henry, you still feel good. I mean, he's going to get huge workloads every single week, that big-body running back that tends to wear down the defenses. And we saw he started picking up bigger chunks late in the fourth quarter. But, uh, you know, Denver, I think, did a good job selling out to stop him. And uh, Corey Avis, seven receptions, 101 yards, and eight targets. Is this Devontae Parker again? I don't think so, but, man. I I
0: don't know. I feel like, they, I mean, they pointed out a lot on the broadcast how young the Denver secondary was, and then Bouye ends up getting hurt uh, as well. And obviously that, you know, even weakened their secondary even more. But uh, yeah, Davis obviously unexpectedly comes through uh, with the big game there. And you're right. I mean, you, you just look at the box score. You'll see Derrick Henry go for 116. You're like, yeah, that seems about right. But for a lot of that game, they were they were bottling him up. He was averaging under, it seemed like three yards of carry uh, at some points of this game, but he kind of took over uh, as the game wore on. I mean, like you said, though sloppy all the way across the board. Denver had some turnovers themselves, um, some bad play calling, and then you know tendency like you mentioned the uh, the missed field goals. One of those field goals was blocked, you know, and and poor coaching. You know, before we jumped on, I was talking about it. You know, I had Denver in this game on the money line. Uh, you know, they were up the 1.3 minutes ago in the fourth quarter. The ball's on their half of the 50, uh, and they do two pass plays. They run the ball once. They waste no time off the clock. They don't use make Tennessee use any of their timeouts. Uh, they punt the ball away, and then they don't use any of their own timeouts to leave time on the clock at the end of the game and basically set themselves up to lose. So uh, just incredibly poor play calling. Uh, it seems like constantly plagues. Uh, the NFL, we saw it uh, in the first game in the opener, you know, Bill O'Brien and the offensive coordinator there. Uh, and with Houston having some terrible play calling and across the NFL, just a lot of head scratches.
1: Yeah, we tend to see it kind of often. So it's not too surprising and especially late too with Tennessee driving. And we already saw they were in field goal range, although we didn't know what field goal range was with Gostkowski tonight. You know, was it the three yard line, the five uh, I was saying you can't play for a field goal here. And Denver did not take any timeouts to conserve any of the clock. So, uh, yeah, it was one of those games where it kind of felt like maybe Tennessee should be a bigger because of the missed field goals. But they also did get a couple of breaks on the Melvin Gordon fumble. Uh, Philip Lindsay also got hurt in this game, too. Yeah. So uh, that's something to keep an eye on. And then we saw Royce Freeman. Uh, come in, he got one carry and one 12 yard reception. I did think Melvin Gordon looked good, I know he had the fumble, but uh, I thought he looked good otherwise. And he did wind up scoring a touchdown and had 15 carries for 78 yards.
0: Yeah, he had a couple long runs there, uh, especially at the end. They were doing some really, I, I felt like some pretty creative sort of formations and running type plays. Are so there, you know, they were having. A lot of lead blockers in front of him really uh, get on the edge and kind of sprung and loose. So uh, I agree, though. Gordon looked good, you know, uh, and it was a good debut for him. Uh, I think obviously, you know, they were really splitting the carries early on, though, before Lindsay's injury. So I wonder exactly what would have happened there had Lindsay not uh, gotten hurt. We don't know the severity of it. They just said it was an ankle or a foot injury is what's keeping him out. So that's, that's going to be interesting, something to pay attention to. Uh, what was your impression of Jerry Judy? Uh, Eight targets, four catches, a couple brutal drops. But, I mean, uh, he is a rookie, and he was uh, getting open at times, uh, you know, in his debut.
1: Yeah, we knew coming in, he's a tremendous route runner. We saw it in college. He's going to get open a lot in the NFL. He did have those couple of bad drops, and he knew it. Uh, But, yeah, pretty pretty impressive. And, obviously, no Cortland Sutton. He did not play. And when he comes back, he's obviously – going to help this offense. Noah Fant had a big first half, kind of quiet in the second half. But you're going to take this uh, from a tight end with five receptions, 81 yards, and a touchdown. And even on the other side, John o. Smith came through four receptions, 36 yards, a touchdown, had seven targets. And I think we just want to see him uh, get the ball a little bit more. And uh, look, I think Tennessee is going to have to throw more this year than they did last year. But they were they at a lot of plays in this game, way more plays, than Denver did. They had the time of possession. Tannehill attempted 43 passes. We didn't really see that much last year. And Derrick Henry, again, 31 carries. No one else carried the ball outside of Tannehill, who had three carries for 14 yards, had a big 11 yard gain to open the game. Uh, so, I mean, that's the thing that you like about Derrick Henry. Uh, he's just going to get a huge workload. And uh, offensively, you know, A.J. Brown was a little bit of a disappointment. You know, five receptions, 39 yards, and eight targets. It looks like Tannehill had him late in the end zone. Uh, I could, I didn't see the replay. Should he have caught that ball? Like, did it go through his hands, or did Tannehill overthrow him? You know the no, one I'm talking he,
0: about? He, he overthrew him a, a bit. Okay, and yeah, he, that's
1: what I thought, too. I just yeah. didn't see the replay, um, so I, I wanted to see it again
0: because uh, he a had a play call there to the Audible to uh, – on a third and one, you have two timeouts behind you with Derrick Henry. And see, I didn't you mind pass? it.
1: You know, because the same thing on the
0: touchdown to John Smith, did you think they were running that from the one? I I, I don't know why coaches don't insist on not running the football there. Like, especially if no, you have I, a I, back I, like that, well, man. I don't know.
1: No, I, I the reason why I liked it because teams know you're gonna run with Derrick Henry on the t- I'm talking about the touchdown play to yeah, John Smith. Yeah, yeah. Like I love that play call because I think they ran on second down. And look, you expect Derrick Henry to get the football. And most of the time, I think you should. But I've always said this, like second and one, third and one. You do play action with Henry at the goal line. You're usually going to get the tight end wide open. And that's what happened with John Smith. Uh, I didn't mind the play call either to A.J. Brown. Again, he was open. They had him. Yeah. And Tannehill just missed the throw. So um, I don't mind the, the, those plays at times, especially because it, it, we saw it in this game. Dever was selling out. To stop Derrick Henry. Right. Uh, so I, I didn't mind the play. And if it works. And you know. It's a touchdown. Great. But uh, I loved the play call. To John U. Smith. Because I'm like. They're pro I'm like. Don't run the football here. They know it's coming.
0: Yeah. I mean. They were. They, they talked about it a lot on the broadcast. They were crashing the edges. To keep them contained. And force them up the middle. Where they were. You know. Selling out there. I think. I'm and Even though I benefited from the whole Seattle. Not running Marshawn Lynch thing. There are so many times. We have a guy with a team that has like a legitimate power. Well, that, that's different. That was different. They don't give it to him.
1: That was different. I mean, yeah. I mean, Marshawn Lynch, beach beast mode, uh, no question about it. Uh, But, you know, Henry was not, he really didn't have a lot of room to run tonight. He did not have big gains. His longest run was 13 yards. I think it came in the fourth quarter. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I didn't mind the play calling there. Uh And, You know, Tennessee did enough to win. Denver is a very tough place to win, especially in September um, because the altitude and maybe that was one of the things with Melvin Gordon, too. They said uh, he did have problems adjusting to the altitude. He did have a little bit of a rib injury uh, before the season started. Uh, So that's why I think maybe we might have seen a split with him and Lindsey. And that's basically what it was in the first half. I think it was pretty even. Uh, But then Gordon, uh, with Lindsey leaving, gets the bulk of the touches. So. Uh yeah, I, I thought Gordon looked good as as the game went on.
0: Yeah, kind of a tough blow for those who win uh zero RB in fantasy, uh losing Marlon Mack, and then we don't know what did deal with Philip Lindsay is uh, you know, thinking that they had all that late round potential depth there, uh not working out uh for them. Uh what's your like overall take here of, of like a team like Denver? Obviously they came in. There's a little bit of hype obviously around them because they added a lot of offensive weapons. Do you think like there's uh you know some potential for this team moving forward or do you think you know, ultimately, you know, what we saw of their shortcomings today uh, is maybe what what it is going to be for the year.
1: Yeah, I think at best they are 500 team. I mean, Drew Locke is really what I'm not sure about. And, you know, I really don't have a lot of this team in fantasy. Uh, I have Philip Lindsay in one league, and it was because running backs were flying off the board. I think it was like seventh, eighth round. I was like, all right, I took him. I, and I kind of felt reluctant taking him. Because I still feel that it's going to be mostly Melvin Gordon. I know we've heard kind of different over the last couple of weeks. And I'm just like, well, they had Phillip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. Like, if they really felt that strongly, why would you go out and get Melvin Gordon? And Lindsay's not great at catching the football, right. and he's not a big back. So, Melvin Gordon's going to be the goal back. So, like, where does this value come from? Um, but I did take him in one league late. Uh, there wasn't much there. Uh, I do like Fant, but really don't have him. I don't have any Jerry Judy, but I do like him. I was not high on Cortland Sutton. I just felt like in the range he was going, I liked other receivers better. But I yeah. love the talent. I love the talent of Cortland Sutton. I've always been a big fan. It's just that uh, there are receivers in that range that I like better. So I think he'll obviously help this offense. But uh, I just I- – I'm not sure how good it's going to be with Drew at quarterback.
0: Yeah, I think I think I saw some – some good throws at a lock tonight, but yeah, it's still uh, the inconsistency of a young quarterback one that's gonna have to uh, develop along the way. And I feel like Tennessee we sort of know what their offense is gonna be. I think it's it's rare that you'll see a running back have thirty one carries and a quarterback also have forty three pass attempts like how often how often are you gonna see an offense like that? but uh you know, I think we can pretty much bank on Henry's uh you know usage there. And I don't know if we're going to continue to expect to see Corey Davis show out the way he did, but, uh, you know, AJ Brown did have eight targets tied for the team lead. Uh, you know, one thing about AJ Brown that I wasn't a huge fan of coming into this year uh, was just because last year he was very boomer bust. And I feel like maybe, you know, again, opening night here, five for 39, you know, I feel like we're almost beginning on that same track where he's going to have weeks where he explodes and the weeks where he's, you know, not even playable. So, Uh, You know, I'll be curious to see how they, you know, this season develops with Tynell under center for the whole year. Um, Obviously, you know, the end of last year, he really carried them through.
1: Yeah, I mean, Brown, I think a lot of people were saying, well, he's going to regress. He can't do what he did last year. I think that's offset by an increase in snaps because he didn't really become a full time player until halfway through the year. And also, I think this offense will not be dominant and play from ahead like they did. I mean, Tannehill took over and they took off and they really didn't have to pass much. So I think that was part of the problem. Uh, so I expect, you know, more consistent targets. I mean, if you look at it last year, uh, I forgot what week Tannehill took over, but let's just start like from, you know, week nine on. His targets were seven, four, five, four, and seven. Tannehill
0: actually took over in the second half of the game against Denver, I think.
1: Was it Denver where they lost 16 nothing.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I, I think he took over in that game.
1: Okay. And then they went on that winning streak next, right? When he took yeah. over. Yeah. So, all right. So, from that game, he had eight, three, seven, four, five, four, seven, thirteen, two, 13, two, and eight. So, but a lot of the inconsistency was due to the lack of targets. And a lot of the times they were playing from ahead and feeding Henry. Uh, so, I expect them to be a little bit more consistent. And again, it's week one. Uh, we're quick to judge and make assessments based on what we saw in one game, but we have to understand this still is kind of the preseason. Although I got to say, I thought the play overall was actually pretty good considering we had no preseason. Yeah. There were some games where it was a little ugly, but overall I thought it was pretty good.
0: No, I agree. And it was, and I, and I said this to, you know, Howard when him and I were talking before, it just felt good to watch some football, you know, like, felt good to be able to sit in the couch and and sort of get a little bit of a sense of normalcy back, Uh, you know, and and like you said, you know, the game itself, I I thought the product was pretty solid. Um, You know, it was a little bit sloppy uh, at times, obviously, you know, some of the low scoring games uh, in that first slate on Sunday. Uh, But, you know, by the time he got out of the halftime, things started looking like they were rolling a little bit more. So uh, enjoyable product. Um, before we jump into the second game of this night where we had the Steelers uh, and the Giants play, uh, we can hear a little bit of words about a monkey knife fight uh, and what they can offer everybody for the NFL season. Great prop pick plays. Uh, you got to check out their contests. Uh, you know, I partook in some of them this week, did some of their uh, more or less contests, and uh it's pretty fun. Again, it adds a little bit more while you're paying attention and watching some football games, so Uh, You can listen to that right now.
2: Do you like to play daily fantasy sports? Then you need to check out monkeyknifefight.com. Monkeyknifefight.com is the fastest growing daily fantasy site in the world because monkeyknifefight.com is different than the other daily fantasy sites. That's because on monkeyknifefight.com, there are no salary caps, and you don't have to play against sharks, which means anyone has a chance at winning, even you, Adam. Even you, uh, MonkeyKnifeFight.com has tons of fun daily contests in all the sports you love: baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, UFC, NASCAR, WNBA, and esports too. Monkey Knife Fight has it all. You know what else MonkeyKnifeFight.com has? How about a free five-dollar game for you for just for signing up? And if you use the promo code ANTIUP, one word A N T E U P, you will have your first deposit matched instantly up to fifty bucks. With a name like MonkeyKnifeFight.com, you can be pretty certain you know what you're going to be getting when you sign up to play. Monkeys and knives and fights and sports. Sign up and play today at MonkeyKnifeFight.com. Play play MKFing win. State and age restrictions apply. See site for full terms and restrictions. So that's how we uh, pay the bills. And we're back.
0: Uh, Adam, uh, we'll talk about this. Giants Steelers game, uh Big Ben's return uh from his surgery from last year. Uh you know, we have this Giants ho- uh, offense coming in with Daniel Jones in his second year. Um you know, what'd you take what was your main takeaway uh from this game?
1: Uh James Conner and what's going on with him? Um I mean, apparently he has this ankle injury. Uh Mike Tomlin said after the game that they're evaluating him. Whatever that means. It doesn't sound like it's too serious, but you know, Connor was a guy that I i don't know in your drafts, but I saw him shoot up draft boards over the last couple of weeks. I mean, this was a guy that was going early fourth, late third round. And by the time drafts concluded, he was going late second round. And yeah. I think part of it was, you know, Tom Lee came out and said, Connor's our guy. He's a three down back. Also, he got through the preseason. Not that there was games, but he got through healthy, was good to go. And I think everyone expected, all right, this offense is going to be much better as long as Ben Roethlisberger is healthy. I mean, it was clear the quarterback play brought them down last year. So Connor really rose up and then him getting hurt early. And the other thing that we took away, you know, this is why you pay attention. They made it clear that Benny Snell was the backup. You know, I think for a while, some people were drafting Anthony McFarland as the guy that they drafted. But it was clear reading everything that came out that Snell was the guy and he looked way quicker than last year. And I was able to get Snell in a couple leagues. I remember one of the leagues I was drafting, the Connor owner uh, was picking one. I had picked four and it was like round 14 or 15. I took Benny Snell and he sent me a text, you know, uh, a nasty text. F you like, dude, what do you want me to do? It was the best player on the board. I wasn't trying to, I wasn't trying to take his handcuff. I'm just best player on the board for me. I had Snell, not that I had him high, but like, you know he was one of the better backups in a good offense. Where if Connor goes down, now I don't know if he'll catch the ball a lot. If Connor misses times, they might bring in Jalen Samuels to play that role. But Snell looked good. I think there were only three running backs to rush for 100 yards this week. Derrick Henry was one of them, forgot who the other one was, and Benny Snell. So, um, 19 carries, 113 yards. Now, that this is going to be the tough part. Waivers coming Tuesday night or Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday night, we might not know about the status of Connor. Uh Obviously, if you're the Connor owner and you don't have snow, yeah, you're probably going to have to pay up. So that's what always makes the waiver wire interesting. So I really don't know what to tell you right now because we still have uh, another day to run waivers on exactly what to do. But he'll definitely be a hot pickup. Uh, and I don't even know if we'll get much news on Connor on Tuesday. So you kind of have to guess, and it's always difficult because you know, if Connor's going to miss several weeks, yeah, you want Benny Snell, but how much do you want to spend? So that's something that, you know, we'll have to keep an eye on. Uh, but that stood out in Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, is, you know, I, I couldn't believe like last year people were like, oh, he can't play without Antonio Brown. And I, I don't think we could have made that conclusion. Ben Roethlisberger got hurt week two. I don't care what Juju did with Mason Rudolph and Doug Hodges. Like you can't evaluate them. You couldn't evaluate the entire offense. So Juju six targets, caught all of them, sixty nine yards and two touchdowns. So you feel good about that. And Deontay Johnson after a rough first half, yeah, uh, he bounced back nicely and had six catches, fifty seven. Basically, yards.
0: had like an entire drive where he was the only person that Ben threw the football to.
1: Like, yeah, and he had ten targets, and he led the team with ten targets. So that was a good sign because he obviously had a lot of buzz and drafts going, like in the sixth, seventh round. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, James Connor getting hurt was the biggest takeaway for me.
0: Yeah, and I actually remember you and I had on one of the earlier table that discussions. Uh, it was the debate between David Johnson and, and James Connor because they were both going in the same, you know, round selection. And then like, you're right, as the season progressed over the last week right heading into the year you know connor was in the second round and and david johnson was not too far behind them they bumped all the way up uh as the season got uh, closer because of uh, all that you know fury to get the uh flurry to get the running backs early in draft so uh i'm curious now you know the the reports were i think tomlin said they weren't too concerned about the ankle injury to connor but i mean even if he comes back and he's not going to miss any time Uh, Benny Snell, at the very least in this matchup, established himself to maybe start earning more of a timeshare, uh, than Connor being that every down, you know, lead back. I mean, Connor in this game, six carries, nine yards, didn't really do much. Did have four targets in the passing game. Uh, you know, Benny Snell 19 for 113. It's a pretty huge, uh, improvement over what the rest of the, uh, you know, the back was able to do there. Uh, and Connor against this Giants, uh, defense on the Giants side of it, um, You know, Darius Slayton had a monster game. with six for 102, two scores on nine targets. He and Barkley led the team with targets with nine each. Um, And then after that, you know, Sterling Shepard was okay. Six for 47 on six targets. Uh, Evan Ingram, seven targets for only two catches for nine yards. Uh, So, I mean, love the target share there. But, you know, what was it, do you think, just the Steelers' defense? I know you were kind of high on them uh, this year, you know, being able to shut down a guy like Evan Ingram.
1: Wait, I was high on Who?
0: weren't you high on the Steelers defense? Didn't we have? Like, oh yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you said Evan Ingram. I was
1: like, no, no, no. Man, no. I don't have him anywhere.
0: Yeah, um,
1: yeah no, of course. I mean, not, I don't draft defenses that early, but yeah, I mean, it's clear the Steelers defense was what carried them last year. They're really good. I mean, that's why Saquon Barkley had 15 carries for six yards. If like you're going to find someone that panics on Saquon Barkley, I mean, take advantage of them. Obviously in savvy league, it's not going to happen. The guy was the number two pick in almost every draft. And I actually I do have him in. I have him in at least two leagues. I have him in my home league and I have him in an NFFC league. So it hurt me this week. But, you know, he still got it done in the passing game with six for 60. So he still got you the double digits in PPR formats. And, you know, the Giants will likely play from behind. So he's going to see his targets. You know, Daniel Jones showed you some good and showed you some bad. I mean, he had a really impressive drive where, what did they run? 17, 18 plays. Yeah. And then he makes a stupid decision running to his left, trying to throw in the end zone instead of, and it got intercepted. So
0: throwing it away. I was, telling, yeah. I was telling my friends about that. Some Giants fans. I was like, that's just the difference of a year two quarterback versus a veteran quarterback, a veteran quarterback, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. They throw that to the peanut man in the stands and they go back for, you know, second down. And then Jones is trying to do a little bit too much, ends up throwing a pick.
1: Or just eat it. I mean, if yeah. you have to take a sack there, not a big deal. So, um, But he he was considering that matchup. He had 279, two touchdowns, two picks. Also rushed for 22 yards on four carries. I know a lot of people were benching him. I actually did in one league and uh, picked up Garoppolo to play him over Jones. Uh, another league, I played Tannehill over Jones. So that was close. In my super flex leagues that I had Jones, I just played him. Um so actually I don't think it was that bad considering the matchup to to get these type of numbers for this week. Yeah, I know that was a-
0: he finished with like seventeen fantasy points, I think, and uh is what he came out to. I well, like-
1: I it depends. The scoring is all crazy yeah, that's different true. Yeah, weeks. Yeah, yeah. I think I had him at let me see in the RT sports where I did bench him. Uh let me see what he had. Uh yeah, it was a tough decision to go. Trying to figure out what to do. Uh, looks like I got a win. Thank goodness, because it's night. Because nice. top six get a win. It's all play in the first week, I believe. Uh, Daniel Zones and RT Sports twenty two point one five.
0: Oh, there you go, nice. And
1: Tannehill twenty one point eight five. So, <laughs> I mean, close. I actually did bench Beckham in this league. Can you believe that?
0: So I was telling. So I, obviously, I was one of the bigger Odell Beckham cheerleaders hang into this year, but when people were talking about this week one matchup i was telling people it's not a good spot for him i'd love that he got 10 targets but i wasn't really thrilled with the idea of him having to go against the ravens week one so um you know i I, if people had better options you know our subscriber chat uh sunday game day live i was telling people if they had better options to go the other way um so uh, not totally stunned you know don't like benching a guy i'm taking in the second or third round of drafts but I just didn't think there was any way that they were going to be productive in that matchup.
1: Yeah, I had him ranked in the 20s on the fantasy alarm site for whatever format it was. And I think I even spoke about it with Jen Piacente on the live stream Thursday. And I'm like, look, it's hard to bench a guy like Beckham, but it depends on the options you have. And um, in this league, we do two receivers, two flex. I played Marvin Jones, Keaton Allen, Allen Robinson and Hollywood Brown over him. I felt yeah. like, uh, you know, I pretty much, I think, had all those guys ranked over him. Uh, I had Beckham in another league where I had to play him. I didn't have better. I, I wasn't playing Allen Lazard over Odell Beckham. I know Lazard <laughs> had a better game. I can't do that. Um, right. But Beckham's it was really Baker Mayfield. I mean, Mayfield was terrible. It was a tough matchup. Uh, he missed him quite a bit. He never got rhythm. But I expect Beckham to bounce back this week. Yeah. They get the Bengals on Thursday night. So don't panic yet. Again, week right. one, tough matchup. Plus, match 10 up. targets,
0: man. That's what I'm always preaching. I'm like, targets mean opportunity. So, you know, if, if he didn't get targeted, we'd I'd be more of a little bit like, oh, man, what happened there? But, uh, you know, they at least threw in his direction a lot. So it makes me confident uh, that upside or bounce back is potentially there. Yeah, I
1: just, I, I, look, I was disappointed the browns came out and played as bad as they did i thought they would be more competitive but they just got dominated and you know baltimore is very good but that's not what you wanted to see from cleveland but they'll get an opportunity to bounce back against the Bengals on a short week on thursday night and i have to think beckham plays much better and he'll be way higher in the rankings this week
0: what do you think about kareem hunt getting more carries than nick chubb
1: i mean game flow um if they're playing from behind, you probably won't see a lot of Nick Chubb in there. And uh, obviously, everyone's going to overreact to this. And And I'm someone who was look, I always say this. There's certain players every year in sports where whatever fantasy sport where you're just kind of n- not sure. Like we want to come here and say we have the answers for everything. and We have to give an opinion. But Nick Nick Chubb was like a dilemma for me because. I love him as a running back. You watch him play. You can't tell you cannot watch Nick Chubb play and tell me he sucks. No, you can't because <laughs> he breaks big plays. We saw it last year. They did not have a good offensive line. He averaged five yards per carry behind that line. He had 1494 rushing yards. And even in the passing game, he was good. But we did see when Kareem Hunt played, uh, his target share went way down. The touches went down about I think he had averaged about 22 touches without Hunt and 19 with him. So that's still very good. You'll take that on a weekly basis. My issue was that the floor was lowered with his lack of involvement in the passing game because he could have a week where he gets 20 carries and 80 yards, doesn't find the end zone, and has one reception. You're just not getting you know, you're getting eight, nine points. Uh, and then you have a game like Sunday. Now, I don't expect them to be getting pounded like that every single week Uh, so people will overreact and chubb still had 10 carries for 60 yards but there's going to be a lot of weeks where he produces i basically said nick chubb has to be the derrick henry of last year and he can't you know he he had 298 carries last year he could come close to that again he's just i just don't think he's going to catch a lot of passes with kareem hunt there
0: yeah no right and we saw like you said we saw that drop off Uh, once Hunt was there last season, I mean, they they just, you know, Hunt is the better, he's a better pass catcher. I mean, it's not, it's not difficult to say that. I mean, it it just makes sense that, you know, when they have the, they use them both on the field a a lot. I think I saw like 70% of the time last year, both guys were on the field, uh, for a snap. So I'm not, it's not as if they, you know, totally just take one out of the game plan, but, um, yeah, I I mean, I have Hunt in a lot of leagues. I was kind of high on him in PPR leagues. Uh, but I agree with you. I think we'll see uh, a bounce back from Chubb and, and that just the Browns as the schedule gets easier. Like you said, Bengals next week should be a much better uh, position for them. Uh, Adam, before we get out of here, though, obviously we have some basketball games coming up. Uh, we have Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Finals uh, on Tuesday. Uh, right now the Celtics are two-point favorites. And then we have Game 7. I didn't think we were going to even get this far. Uh, Between the Clippers and Nuggets, and the Clippers are giving seven and a half. Can I get a quick take uh, on those two games?
1: Yeah, I cannot believe we're sitting here either with a game seven. I mean, the Clippers just kind of gave this away. I I, I don't know. I don't want to discredit Denver, but like the Clippers were in control. You know, game five, they led by 16 in the third quarter and they let it slip away. Uh, And then Sunday, they had a 16 point lead. At halftime, and then scored 16 in the third and 19 in the fourth, getting outscored 64 to 35 in the second half. I mean, what the hell? And, you know, this they're just not getting much outside of Leonard and George right now. Harold has been terrible. I mean, I don't know how much they can let him play at this point. Right. Lou Williams has been a liability defensively, and he hasn't even been great that offensively either. Lou's a guy I used to see shooting. I'm like, all right, that's going in. Whenever he takes a three and I have not felt that way at all. So uh, it's amazing because I thought they were the deeper team. Uh, one of the most deepest team in the NBA love their depth, which is why I was putting money on them to win the championship. And Denver is getting more now from a multitude of players. I mean, Millsap had a big game five yeah. was quiet in game six, but they got Gary Harris to play 42 minutes and he scored 16. Jokic is just crushing them inside and outside. Finally, uh, Mar- Murray is Murray is the key factor. I mean, he's really got to score like 18 plus for them to win. He shot well last game, nine of 13. You know, Porter's been giving them good minutes. Uh, even Craig three or four last game, seven points, five rebounds. Doesn't sound like a lot. But in these games where you're not getting much offense um, and they shot, I mean, Denver shot 54 percent from the field and 48 percent from three point range. So uh, I can't see that happening again. Uh, Clippers were better from the free throw line. I think the Clippers win. I'd be stunned if they lost this game. I think Hawaii is going to have to score 35 to 40, but he just might. But I got to take the points of Denver getting seven and a half. I mean, Clippers have been getting so much respect in these Vegas lines. And uh, I fell for it in game five. I picked them, but I took Denver getting eight and a half in game six. And I'm sitting there looking at the halftime score because, you know, I was watching football. Right. And I was like, damn, man. I guess the Clippers finally woke up and then I turned it back in. You know, I was, I was like, Oh wow. Denver's winning now. I was like, kind of happy. Like, all right, at least I'm covering, but I want to see Clippers Lakers. No disrespect to Denver. I mean, this is the second straight series that down three, one, they force a game seven. I mean, that doesn't happen much and they're doing it twice. Right. It doesn't happen.
0: Right. There's, they're just a, maybe a slow starting team, but, uh, the talent is there. And and I felt this a little, and Jokic is a guy that I've had, you know, sort of a uh, hot takes about when it comes to DFS and fantasy, because I felt like there were times where like, he just doesn't live up to his potential, but there was, this is the matchup where Clippers struggle against centers. They usually go small With Harrell and Zubac doesn't play a ton of minutes. And Jokic should have been able to just dominate, uh, this spot. And early in the series, he wasn't really imposing his will, Over the last handful of games, though, he's putting up monster numbers and filling out the box score. And I'm like, this is what they need if they're going to win. They're going to need Jokic to play at his top, top elite level uh, to have an opportunity here. Uh, You know, I I do laugh a little bit that if the Clippers end up faltering here. It's like, you know, it doesn't matter really who the players are. You put the Clippers jersey on somebody and Doc Rivers can't get that team over the hump, it seems like, you know, all those stack teams they had with Paul and Griffin and yada, 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 and they were never able to do anything with it. And now... You know, they got Kawhi and Paul George and then finding themselves, again, sort of on the brink of uh, another early exit here.
1: Yeah, uh, I think the Clippers win. But, man, just not as confident as I once was. I just can't believe we're sitting here in a game seven. So, look, I want to see Clippers Lakers. We've all been looking forward to that. But it's kind of funny because two days ago, uh, the Clippers were favorites to win the NBA championship. And the last one I checked, the Lakers are now the favorites.
0: Yeah, I guess that makes sense. You know, they're disrespecting my Boston Celtics who are, uh, you know, got a nice little series here against Miami that I don't think, uh, you know, should give them too much trouble. No homerisms aside here, uh, you know, but I think they actually match up probably better against Miami than we they did against, uh, against Toronto personally.
1: Yeah, I give the edge to Boston in this series. I think it should be a good one. Uh, we know that, both these teams are playing at a slow pace. Uh, I know Miami won a matchup in the bubble without Jimmy Butler, but I'm not putting much stock in that. I don't think neither team was playing for much at that point. Uh, Boston, obviously, very good defensively. Gordon Hayward might come back from this yeah. injury. Arden,
0: Arden but then one, but I mean they, they're expecting but, him. Stevens has alluded that he can make an appearance later in the series.
1: What I believe also isn't his wife due to give. Earth soon and he might have to leave the bubble too
0: so so what i've heard around you know obviously I, I live just outside boston uh that his wife told him to it's okay to stay uh that's just sort of the things that have been floated about around here on like local radio and whatnot is it true i haven't seen like any articles like confirming it but i guess we'll find out but yeah she's due uh the end of september which we you know we're we're basically there a week away
1: OK, so, yeah, that's something to keep an eye on. He obviously would give them a nice boost. But, yeah, I mean, the Celtics, to me, with a better team against Toronto. Uh, that probably shouldn't have gone to seven. I think you give Toronto a lot of credit for showing a lot of fight and heart. Uh, they got the buzzer beater in game three. Uh, so Boston did have to exert themselves a little bit. But they've had, you know, three days rest. This is not like Denver, who had that one day rest and Jamal Murray said it after for game one of the Clippers, he's like, uh, you know, I don't want to make excuses, but we were just gassed. We were just exhausted. And yeah, after that first quarter, I think it was 31-31 in game one, and they were just like done the rest of the way. Boston's had three days to rest. Miami's had a week. Uh, So should be a good game. But yeah, I, I like Boston in game one, and I think they win the series in seven.
0: I have a current open bet of Boston winning the championship. Uh, which I can cash out for double my money at the moment. Would you make that move?
1: I always swing for the fences, man. So do <laughs> I think they win the title? Probably not. But... Wait till
0: they win the series and then cash out is probably what you're saying, right? Win, win the East, then cash out the bet?
1: Probably, yeah. But then again, if, you pro- what were the odds? Plus... Uh
0: i bet 25 to win 250 so not like big swinger here but
1: okay uh, yeah i mean nah, why why take 50 right now
0: wait right. it out i hear you I hear. You. all right adam we'll uh we'll wrap this one up uh good talking to you again obviously we have a lot more to discuss with football kicking into week two uh, i'll certainly be listening to you at howard break down uh some of the upcoming lines uh, if you want to get it, uh, Adam, you can get him at Adam Ronos on Twitter. You want to get me on Twitter, at pemba 777 This has been the Anti Up Podcast on the Sawdust Podcast Network.